News Talk 1010. Hey, it's good to be back. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Hope you enjoyed the, uh, the sun and the heat and the humidity this weekend. Don't complain about it because let's remember what was happening here in February. That's right. Uh, maybe you caught a Jays game. I live very close to the Rogers Center. So I, uh, I've made the mistake of taking a cab like right before or trying to get a cab right before uh, a game starts. And, uh, and paying like $20 to move about two blocks. But I do, I don't know a lot about sports, guys. I don't know if you've picked that up during the show. But uh, I do know that the Jays are generally doing well and that everyone's like jumped on the bandwagon. And I don't have a problem with that. I think it's great. If, we, if we're going to support a local team, hopefully they're doing well. Because we're really good at supporting teams even when they don't do well. Um, it is nice to be back. I was off last week, as some of you may know. Um... I uh, went to Halifax for almost a week. Usually I max out at about five or six nights. So I went there to see my parents and also to meet my sweet little niece. She's five months old and I'm sorry, but I'm going to be one of those annoying aunties. Now that I have a little niece, um, I always show people photos of her. I talk about her. I tell people how she's probably one of the cutest babies around. Um, And if you want to know if she is and she is don't tell me she's not um you can check out my twitter or my instagram at pay chen you can also find me on facebook and uh i've got <laughs> i have a lot of photos up there right now um so my brother and my sister-in-law flew in from bc uh with their whole family which doesn't have it's not often that we all get together because we're so spread out so my my parents being on the east coast my brother being on the west coast and me being sort of like kind of close to the middle it's very rare that we will all get together but now with my parents being a little bit older and now that there's you know the the first maybe only grandchild um my brother and I do I find now make a bit more of an effort to to try and get the family together because we know how important it is to uh to my parents so my parents house has um four bedrooms two of them are kind of small but there's just, they're the only ones that live in there. So there, there are two extra rooms that have beds in them. One is the spare, was always used as a spare room for guests. It has a queen bed in there and that's about all it fits. There's another room, which is basically like my mom's storage room where she will not get rid of any clothes that our family has had for the past 30 plus years. I found my um, grade 10 sun ice ski outfit in this room. No one in my family skis. I don't even ski anymore, but it's there. My mom won't get rid of stuff. So the slash storage room has a twin bed in it. It is my brother's twin bed from 30 years ago. So it's kind of like the spillover room. No one really needs to stay in there because when guests come, they stay in the spare room. Well, this is the first time that the whole family's been back in the house. And uh, with my brother and his sister in- and my sister-in-law there with the baby, my parents gave them their bedroom because it has space for a little baby bed and they have a, a bathroom that's attached. So then my mom <laughs> called me a few days before and she said, well, we're going to give your brother our room so there's room for the baby. And well, you can keep your room and um, your dad and I can sleep on the floor of the office. <laughs> and I'm like, because there is actually another room that has a bed. It has the twin bed that no one wants to sleep in. And, uh, and I said, no, well, I'll, I'll take the small room. And my mom's like, oh, you won't sleep in there. It is so loud because <laughs> it's like faces the neighbors. I'm like, well, you're old. And if you sleep on the floor, you'll never get back up. 
So I have a feeling I should take the loud bedroom with a 30-year-old twin bed. And I do not want to think about how disgusting that bed might be after all those years. Um, so anyway, that's, that's what happens when you're a grown-up and you visit your parents. And, they, and your parents are like borderline hoarders because they have all the space. They have extra rooms that they can fill by keeping stuff in there. And just my mom's like, it's a really good bed. It's from Sears. It was a great bed 30 years ago. Uh, also, parents, I had no idea how expensive diapers were. I arrived the day before my brother, and I said, let me know what you need that you're not going to travel with. I'll pick it up for the baby. So it's the first time in my life that I've ever had to go and buy diapers. So that day, I made two trips to Walmart. Why? Because first I went in to buy diapers. My other job was to, was to buy a container to bathe the baby in. Because they were like, we don't want to use a bowl that has had food in it. Because my mom has these like giant industrial size, like restaurant stainless steel bowls, right? For like food prep. And I'm thinking, well, you can just boil, put like hot water in that in Javex and boil that. Like it's, it's sterile, I'm sure. But they're like, no, we don't want anything that's had food in it. Can you go pick up like a Rubbermaid container or something for the baby? So I forgot on my first trip because I was so focused on buying the right diapers. Uh, then I went home, realized I forgot to buy a plastic container for the baby, had to go back to Walmart. Um, this is what happens when you're an auntie. These are things that make you a really good auntie, by the way. Uh, so a couple of things that happened on my trip home, which I know some of you look forward to. And again, you can always catch up on uh, Twitter if you like. At Peichen, just another plug. Um, one thing, because the baby eats every three hours, my mom was commenting on how when I was a baby, I was quite fussy. And I guess I cried quite a bit and I'd get up a lot during the middle of the night. And my mother happened to tell all of us at dinner, she's like, oh, it used to happen all the time. You know, the baby just gets so heavy and then you fall asleep and you drop the baby. And I'm like, are you talking about me? And I was like, yeah, I used to drop you all the time. Totally explains a lot about me. I think so. Yep. And uh, another quick story. My brother and I, we were walking along the uh, Halifax waterfront last week on our way to get ice cream. We passed this uh, like little old lady, and she's busking. She's playing the fiddle, and she's got her violin case out, and she's busking. And I didn't really notice her because I was so focused on the fact that we were going for ice cream. And my brother, go we passed her, and he turns around, and he goes, do you think that's Miss Martin? And I look back, and at first the name didn't even ring a bell, and I go, I don't know, because there's just a sweet little old lady playing violin, and Miss Martin was one of my first piano teachers 30 years ago. So we couldn't, we, neither one of us could actually figure it out. And I said, you know what? Let's take a better look on our way back. We go get ice cream. We walk back really, really slowly. We turn. He's like, I think, I don't know. It kind of looks like her, maybe. I'm like, I'm really, really not sure. And then I was like, you know, it might be. So we stop and I walk up to her and I said, um, and she's tiny. She's not even five feet tall. I said, excuse me, are you Miss Martin? And she said, yes, I am. And I said, oh, my name's Pei. You taught me piano 30 years ago. And she goes, Pei Wen Chen, which is my full name. And I thought, oh, my God, this has been 30 years. And like, think of all of the students that she's had over those years. And I said, wow, you have such a good memory. Well, I'm here with my brother. And she goes, Wei Ping Chen. <laughs> and I'm like, Yes, like this is really amazing. She has must have had hundreds of students throughout the years. And uh, so she used to, we are so stereotypically Asian because I played piano and my brother played the violin and neither one of us were very good at it. But 
our mom made us do it. Um, so he came by, and so she was, like, chatting with us, and her her son, who's a few years older than me, um, he used to play violin, like, he used to do competitions and everything. So we had a little catch-up session, which was really nice. And then she looked me up and down, and she goes, how old are you now? Because I'm 70. <laughs> I was like, wow, you said that in such a very kind of offensive way, but... Anyway, I just thought it's so fun when you see someone from your past like that. And she said to me, she goes, well, there's no way I would have I would have ever recognized you because you were like little kids the last time I saw you. And that was just sort of a sweet little thing to have happen. Uh, and so after Halifax, I spent a few days in uh, Montreal. Uh, Nespresso was one of the sponsors of the Rogers Cup there. And they uh, invited some people to Montreal to catch a game, my first tennis match. Still don't fully understand the game, but it was enjoyable. And uh, and then, you know, discovered new little areas like Little Italy, Mile End, uh, came back with bagels, pastries and cheese. So now I'm on a detox. So tonight we're talking about two of my favorite things, travel and food. And up first, I'll be talking to travel writer Heather Greenwood Davis. So she's here. Uh, we are going to talk about road trips and how to make them more enjoyable because... You actually, I didn't realize this, you spent 30 days on the road with your family. Yes, we did. So that's your, you, your <laughs> husband, and your two boys. So they're 13 and 10? Yep, Ethan's 13 and uh, Cameron is 10. So, you, well, and you've traveled extensively with your family. This is true, all okay. over the world. So we're going to, when we come back, you're going to give us some road trip tips. Exactly right. I'm going to tell you exactly what you should be looking for when uh, deciding to do these kinds of trips. Okay, so whether it's with family or maybe with friends yep, or... Yeah, doesn't you matter. Know. You well, got you to choose right when you're doing those things. 30 days is a long time, Heather. 30 days is a long time. Would you do it again? Yeah, I would. I okay. absolutely would. I thought you would have paused before you <laughs> answered that. <laughs> I thought it would have been like, oh, you know, maybe if we had two cars. <laughs> if you had asked me on day 31, maybe there would have been a pause. So you did Toronto to Vancouver? Is that what you did? We did, but we did through the southern United States. So we went all the way down to Orlando and oh. then across the bottom and then back up through like New Mexico and Utah and all kinds of things. Was that because Google Maps messed up? <laughs> because that happens to me a lot. <laughs> no, this was willful. Okay. We intended to do this. You planned good. this. All right. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some tips how to, uh, I guess, how to have the most enjoyable road trip, things to think about, things you should plan, uh, maybe things you should pack as well. We'll talk about that. Sure. And then coming up in the second half of the show, we'll talk about the best new restaurants across Canada, how you can get involved in voting for your favorite, and uh, also win a trip and some cash as well. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. So after the break, travel writer. Heather Greenwood Davis sticks around with some great traveling tips for you. This is the Pay Chen Show on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome back to the show. During a road trip, uh, can actually. Did I say doing or during? I don't know. I meant. <laughs> doing can uh, can actually be a bit more affordable if you're traveling let's say you know with a group of people and you're thinking how can we make this fun let's how can we get make the travel part the getting there part of this trip or this vacation and it can be it can be fun if done properly it can also um, cause a lot of headache, pain, and tears if done <laughs> improperly. So travel writer Heather Greenwood Davis, who writes regularly for the Toronto Star and National Geographic Traveler, uh, shares some of her travel tips. And uh, the, the reason Heather is the perfect person to be sharing any sort of travel-related information is because 
she spends so much time not here <laughs> and with her family. So your husband and your two boys, yep. 13 and 10. And a couple of years ago, so you've been on the show because we've talked about this, that uh, a few years ago, you actually spent a year traveling the world with your family. So 29 right. countries. Yeah, we hit 29 countries on six continents. Um, and yeah, they were only six and eight then. Like my Little dream thing. trip doesn't involve schlepping a six and eight year old. <laughs> As much as I am cool, you are and missing out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and making plans, I'm like, I don't know if I can handle that. But um, you've done a lot of great trips with your. I mean, your. I think your boys are very fortunate because they're very worldly. Yeah, and they'll be qu like they'll be well-rounded human beings. That is the plan. Let's let's Fingers cross. It continues on that trajectory, right? Yeah, exactly. Well-rounded. No, right. It's know. been it's been fantastic for them. It's been fantastic for us because when you're traveling with them, they expose you to all kinds of things and uh, experiences that you probably wouldn't do if they weren't with you. Yeah. Um, so having them along has been, you know, phenomenal. I think it's also neat um, to see things through the eyes of kids because yeah. you've traveled and, and you might be familiar with certain cultures or customs in other countries. Exactly. But to, to see it through the eyes of like a six-year-old or an eight-year-old um, can, can give you a whole new appreciation for, for it sure. as well. For sure. They, oh. they, once they show you something, you, you sort of take a double look at it. So last month, you went out <laughs> with your family on a 30-day road trip, Toronto to Vancouver, but you went the long way. So you went through the States. That's right. Okay. So now tell me a bit about where you went. Okay. So we started in Toronto, crossed over around Niagara Falls, went all the way down to Orlando, stopping in Virginia and uh, Savannah along the way. Gorgeous. And then we started along the very bottom. So we hit uh, New Orleans and San Antonio in Texas. Um, all the way across through Texas, up through New Mexico. I'm sure my husband's listening and, and going, you missed something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, up through New Mexico into uh, Arizona and Utah and California. Wow. And then all the way back up to Vancouver. So it was insane. He did all the driving and it was about, I think we thought we put about 12,000 uh, miles. Your kind of? husband did all the driving? You didn't trade off? No. Was you that, know what? Because that is I'm my number one tip. Okay, I'm really shocked that you didn't trade off because I thought that's how you get through road trips is that everyone rotates driving. No, no, not What's necessarily. What's your number one tip? Find my somebody who does tip the driving. Is, <laughs> my number one tip is you've got to know the personalities in the car. Yeah. Now, my husband is a phenomenal driver. He's a terrible navigator. Oh. And so I love to drive, but if I drive and he's navigating... Then you're you're, you're yeah. So you so you actually pay attention when you're when he's driving. Yeah, so I thought you slept. That's that's what I thought you did. That's what I would have done if no. someone else was driving. No, not at all, not at all. So you you're the one telling him this is now we're looking for you know highway turn off absolutely 14. and it's down to a science. Like I'm like and we're gonna make a left in uh, 500 meters. Okay, 300. You sound 200. like the GPS lady. <laughs> You really yeah. do. Yeah, it gets to that way. But it also means that, you know, this trip, like many of my trips, is both personal and professional. So yes. we did this one in conjunction with Expedia.ca. Mm -hmm. And we followed along the whole time, tweeting and what have you on Expedia Road Trip. And so that meant that people could, I could be responding and tweeting and doing all of those things and not, you know, yeah. have to worry about having my so eyes on the road. You're working. He's driving. Exactly. Um, now, all the places that you visited, say for like, let's say the Canadian ones. Yep. So the, the cities that you visited throughout the States, were they all new to you? 
or had you been? No. To, no? Um, some of them were places I'd been before. So I've been to New Orleans, for example, uh, but my husband hadn't and the kids mm -hmm. hadn't. Um, there are places like Savannah where I had never been. Vancouver, of course, I've been a mm -hmm. number of times and they've been, but we did different things while we were there. Okay. Um, and then that whole, the national parks right through like Utah and Arizona. That'd be cool. It was incredible. And I always thought I'm like, I'm not a park girl, mm -hmm. but phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So then um, most people don't have 30 days to do a road trip. They might have, let's say, a week or two, depending on where you're going. Right. right? So um, you're trying to make it part of the experience and make it painless. Yeah. Because road trips, a lot of people kind of go. I remember road trips from being a kid. And it was fun because my brother and I sat in the back and we played and we didn't have any electronics to keep us busy right. but you know i'm sure for my parents it's kind of stressful because you're trying to get there as quickly as possible right so it's like do we drive straight through those 12 or yeah. 16 hours um so what are your suggestions yeah i don't i think that might be a mistake i think sometimes people first of all you've got to have those discussions up front with whoever the other adults are in the car whether you're traveling with kids or without um, you want to have a, a discussion about like, what's the goal here? Are we trying to just get to where we're going? And mm -hmm. what does that mean? Do we stop for breaks? Do we not? Uh, is the food all packed in the car? Or are we allowed to stop and eat a, at a restaurant? Those kinds of things. I always err on the side. I think we make too much focus on, on focusing on getting to the destination. And mm -hmm. often there's some amazing things along the way. So I'm all for building in extra time. And okay. looking at the destination is the perk at the end, but also yeah. having lots of things along the way that you can enjoy. So you suggest to like maybe stopping in a, somewhere for a night and then oh, keep absolutely, going. absolutely. So on our way down, Orlando is a prime example, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people would have drove all the way to Orlando nonstop, right? And then you get there and you're exhausted, yeah. and then especially if you're then going to try to hit theme parks or something like that, oh, like yeah. everyone's cranky by the mid afternoon. We stopped. We spent uh, two nights. Well, more than that at least three or four nights because we spent two or three nights in Savannah and mm -hmm. a night in Virginia oh, okay. on the way down. So we were, by the time we got to Orlando, we were chill. We'd enjoyed our way down. We were ready to experience that. So I think building that into your plan, whether it's going to be a long weekend or a week or whatever it's going to be. Now, did you cap your uh, hours of driving in a day? Like, did you say, look, we're not going to drive more than yeah. X number of hours? Yeah, I think that's key as well. So we said, we originally had on our plan, it was going to be, I think there were a couple of days when we had said, okay, this day we're just going to drive all day. It's going to be 10 to 12 hours of nonstop oh, driving. Yeah. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then we started going and we realized that we tended to both the kids and us, we sort of maxed out around five or six hours in a okay. day. And that was like two, two hours or so. And then a stop to do something interesting and right. then a couple more hours. Um, so once we knew that six hour limit, it allowed us to be flexible and change things as we went, which was great because as we were going, we were booking our hotels as we went. We were Oh, no way. Yeah. I thought you had this all planned out. No. You were doing it as you went. Yeah. So like I said, part of it was personal, part was professional. Yeah. And the professional end of it was that trying to figure out, you know, how flexible was this app that we were using. Right. And so could we book things um, as we went and still find some flexibility there? And also with the kids, like one of the things we were able to do was hand them the iPad yeah. and say, okay, listen, you complained last night about the hotel I picked. It's your turn. Right. We've got you know, 200 bucks we're spending on a hotel tonight. We're going to be in New Orleans by uh, seven. Find us someplace to stay. 
I would never let a child pick a hotel room for me. You, I'm like, there is just, there's no way. I'd be in the room that's like, we have a cot, but we have a water slide. We had a pool and the Disney Channel. Those were the two most important things to them. Uh, something else I didn't think about in terms of road trips is I just always assume that when you do a road trip, it's because you're just, you're taking your own car or someone else, you know. Yeah. You're driving because someone has a car. Someone has the mode of transportation. No, a lot of people rent. In order to do a road trip. I had trip. no idea. For sure. I didn't know that happened. For sure. So we drove this one. We were in um, a Chevy. It was an Equinox. And the great thing about that car was that it actually had Wi-Fi built in. Well, you have kids. You almost need that now. Um, that was great. But also for me, working as we went right. um, and being able to check things as we went in terms of looking up reviews or whatever we wanted to do, we could do that very easily. Um, but generally, whether it's your car or you're renting or you're borrowing or whatever it's going to be, like, yeah, why not be in a car that's more comfortable if you're going to be on a long trip, right? Mm -hmm. 30 days, if the four of us were in, I don't know, a Prius or something like yeah. really tiny would have been harder for sure. Um, so this gave us an opportunity to do that. And also, I, I some people don't get their cars serviced beforehand. And I Mistake. think you should... I, look, I know nothing about cars. <laughs> but I know if you're taking that car far, far away, you better get someone to check and make sure there's enough air in those tires. Yeah. You want to check the, the air pressure. You want to make sure that you've got the, the oil going. You want to make sure you have a driver who knows how to check those things as you go. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> not know? that person. No, that's <laughs> the driver. <laughs> oh, right. And then you also say, um, like, to plan the journey. So did you, so you planned these 30 days. You knew where you were going to end up? Well, yeah. We knew that we were starting in Toronto. We knew that we were finishing in Vancouver. We had a, you know, a general list of the cities we wanted to visit along the way. But like I said, that changed as we went. And it was important to me, both on this trip and on when we did the year away. Mm -hmm. I really like having that flexibility of being able to say, okay, we thought we were going to turn left here, but we're going to turn right. And the great thing about the road trip is in every city we went to, there were people who, you know, oh, what are you guys doing? We're driving 30 days across the United States. Oh my yeah. gosh, did you consider going to, you know, right. X place you'd never heard of? Right. So you want to be a little flexible. You so want to have that room that in there for sure. Um, and I also think too, if you're going with friends or let's say a partner or something, and maybe when you don't have kids, because kids are a, another like consideration yeah, yeah um is that you have to agree especially with friends you need to agree on budgets yeah for things like hotels maybe meals you know yeah. someone might just want to do a drive-through but someone else might want to sit down at you know every nicest restaurant yeah or someone might want 600 thread count sheets and not yeah. stay at the little motel so you have to agree on those things in advance or you else do. it becomes because money becomes weird between friends yep and it's not just the money. It's it's people get weird about certain things like the 600 thread count sheets, right? They're like, every if everybody's assuming that the other people know exactly what they want out of the trip and that you're all on the same page, and then you get to the hotel that you booked for the night and it's not what they were expecting, like yeah. that causes weirdness too. I say talk it all out beforehand. Okay, what's important to you? If Can we stop as we go? Are you right. one of those people who needs to go to the bathroom every 15 minutes and we're going to... That's gonna, me. You need to know that. <laughs> People do that, uh, yeah. You know, the <laughs> GPS and Google Maps does not account for the fact that we're stopping every 15 minutes for you to go. So you've got to have those kinds of conversations ahead of time in order to make sure that the trip goes as smoothly as possible. Yeah. Okay. Good. Great tips. Thank you, Heather. And I know that uh, you will be, uh, your guide to road trips will be available online, right? Yeah, for sure. It's okay. going to be on the uh, Expedia.ca travel blog and okay. you can go and download the whole thing. All right. And you can also um, check out more about Heather on her website, globetrottingmama.com. Well, welcome back. Looking forward to your next adventure. Next time, when you take me. Okay. 
Well, if I don't have to drive, and if you have like, Wi-Fi in the car, I feel like this I is a really amazing... I can bring my driver. Yeah, <laughs> I think he loves that. You know what? I make really great snacks for road trips. See, we I'm need the, that. I'm the person who packs really great road trip <laughs> snacks. Um, and you can, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, you can follow uh, Heather's Adventures online as well. We're taking a break here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. You're listening to The Page End Show. More with Page Welcome back to the show. What restaurant do you think deserves the title of best new restaurant this year? Well, there is a list that exists right now, and you're invited to vote and have your say. That's with Air Canada's En Route magazine. Um, And it's not just some random list. It's uh, a list that was made up by a group of respected critics, producers, uh, food industry insiders. Um, They all contributed to this list of the the best new restaurants that... um, have popped up coast to coast in the past year and you got your chance to vote online and also win some great prizes like a trip and some cash. So regional experts shared their favorites uh, for the list. But one man, one lucky man, I think a lot of people would think that, uh, actually ate at all of them in a month-long eating journey. So international food and wine writer Andrew Braithwaite is on the line. You went coast to coast to anonymously judge the restaurant's um, how many restaurants did you eat in that month, Andrew? Oh, I think uh, I think I could uh, categorize it as too many. Uh, <laughs> but are we talking uh, like thirty plus? Thirty plus, yeah. So uh, you know, if you if you can do the math, uh, more restaurants than there are nights in a month. So uh, wow. there is the occasional night where I do go to dinner, uh, get in a cab, go to another restaurant, and eat a, uh, an entire second dinner. Um, so it's not a, it's not for the faint of heart or the weak of stomach. No, that's that's quite impressive. How do you even prep for that? How do you train yourself for that when you know that okay, next month I've got to cram in you know more restaurants than there are days. Um, I think that uh, you you try and get your metabolism up. I'm I'm, I'm lucky. I have uh, I come from a long line of uh, you know pretty pretty trim. Uh, oh, high you're really lucky. People. <laughs> I'm very lucky uh, because uh, otherwise, uh, you know, this 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 journey, this job, because it's a job. Uh, it's a, it's a, absolutely. It's, it's the best job. It's the best job. But it but it, it wears you down. So yeah. I I make sure I pack my my running shoes and my and my swimsuit, and I make sure that I walk as much as I can when I'm on the road. So uh, whenever I can avoid a, a taxi or a, or a subway ride or an escalator and take the scares, I uh, I'll do that. But. Otherwise, it's a lot of eating. Yeah, for sure. And I know, you know, a lot of people, will, I, you know, like I'm friends with um, some f- food writers and um, others in the in the food industry. And a lot of people just think like, oh, it's the best job in the world. And it is a great job. But it is like you said, it is a job. You still have to be um, focused when you're there. You know, this you are there to judge a restaurant and see if they deserve to be, you know, shortlisted. So it's still taking notes and paying attention. Um, was there a province that surprised you when you were doing your coast-to-coast eating marathon? Um, well, I, I got to visit uh, the province of New Brunswick for the first time uh, in my life. That yeah. was, uh, I got to do that, and that was the, the 10th province I had been to. So I, I got my 10 province bingo, checked it <laughs> off. Uh, and uh, I, I had a great time in, in St. John. It's a, it's a really cool city. Uh, I was lucky enough to spend my birthday in uh, in Winnipeg. I'd also never been to Manitoba. First time uh, for okay. me there. So uh, 
uh, that those were two uh, pleasant surprises on the list in two cities that I liked a lot. Oh, very cool. So uh, my understanding is that right now there's a list of 32 restaurants. And, Precisely. And then that, that will be narrowed down to 10, and, and that's through votes? Uh, so there's a, there's a vote for the people's choice uh, that will run uh, through the summer. And uh, when our, our November issue, the food issue of Enroute Magazine, the Air Canada in-flight magazine comes out, we will announce a people's choice winner. And we'll also announce the top 10. If that's the, the list that we've been publishing for the last 14 years. Mm-hmm. And that top 10 is, is just, just which ones I like the best, just the 10 that I like the best. So the 32 that are on the long list that people uh, should, should go out and, and vote for us, they've been to some of them or if they'd like to go eat at some of them or if they are friends with the chefs at some of them those are all the places that i ate at so those are all the candidates for the for the last 10 so from those places that i ate uh i have uh, a, a top 10 that'll be published in november all right so eight uh toronto restaurants actually made the list right this this initial it was list a good, it was a good year for toronto i mean you know we probably could have eaten at twice that many and had it twice you know great great meals every night it's uh it's really a, a, an amazing kind of run that Toronto's on right now with churning out these, you know, fantastic restaurants. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know, I don't know who, who, uh, you, I mean, you guys up there are, are going, getting out and eating every night so <laughs> to the people of Toronto. You, you, you certainly are earning it because that's the only reason that people keep opening these restaurants is because there's a demand for them. So. Yeah. And, and I looked at the list. I haven't eaten at all of them. I, you know, there's eight Toronto restaurants that are on this list right now. There's a few. I mean, one of them that uh, is one that I've spoken about on air before because I've had a couple of great meals there, and that was Dandelion. And I just really yeah. love this little restaurant. Yeah, and I, I love that restaurant, too. I mean, it's uh, it's really what a, a kind of Queen West West uh, is, is all about, which is, you know, Following the, the the new path with uh, with uh, Chef Carter is uh, yeah. you know, and there's also um, Bor is it Boralia? Yeah, Boralia. Boralia. I, I call it Boralia. I'm not uh, quite I, trying you know, to say it, but I know that that. I'm not allowed to meet the chefs, so I haven't I haven't been able to ask them personally how they pronounce the rest of the, the name of the restaurant, but I call it Boralia. But uh, that restaurant is uh, to me quite unique. It's on Ossington, so between Queen and Dundas. And uh, what I think is really cool about it is is they do um, their dishes are all a take on sort of. Um, historic Canadian dishes. And I just think that's such an interesting and unique twist, you know, in our city, but also just in our country, is to find these recipes that have a little bit of historic relevance to Canada. Absolutely. And, the, and you, know, this, you know, the story of that restaurant is that these are just a couple of uh, Evelyn Wu and Wayne Morris there. They, they love old cookbooks, and they dove into some of these old cookbooks and found, uh, you know, you know, Samuel de Champlain era uh, recipes and, and thought, how do we re- repackage this for, for people eating in 2015, you know? And yeah. uh, that, I find that really uh, admirable. So I know that you cannot tell us, obviously, or give us any hints as to what the final 10 are, but when you are eating, you know, across the country, you're eating at 30, over 30 restaurants, uh, what is your criteria for determining, you know, the best of the best? Uh, well, you know, a, a restaurant is, is, a, is a place that you go, right? So, People all, uh, will often, when the list comes out, they'll, people will often say, well, it's, it's interesting that you have this, this restaurant and not that one on the list because this, this guy won uh, the, the gold medal, the regional gold medal plates or, you know, the top chef uh, uh, competitor. And, and so, you know, when you walk through the door of a restaurant, the reason that you're going there is, is to eat. And so food is first and foremost what we're looking at at these, at these restaurants. But 
We also think about restaurants as, as a place that you go. We're at Air Canada, is a, uh, uh, en route is a travel magazine, and uh, these, these restaurants are places that you go and you spend time. And so there's all these little kind of details that, that add up to an experience that you have. So you're not just eating dishes and, and critiquing what's, what's on the plate. You're critiquing, you know, how does the, how does the room feel? Mm -hmm. how, are, how are your interactions with the people that are coming to the table to deliver your dishes and to, and to ask you what you want to drink? And, uh, and what is, you know, what do you, what do you feel when you, when you eat those things? You know, you, you put it really well that a place like Boralia um, makes you, makes you think about, you know, Canadian history, which right. is a pretty, pretty amazing thing to, to, to make someone think about when they come eat dinner at your place. So, so did you notice uh, in any trends in terms of um, food, cuisine, the types of things that you were seeing on the menus at these new restaurants? Because all the restaurants on this list uh, have popped up in the past year. And, you know, often there are sort of themes and waves and trends that, that come with the restaurants that open up. Yeah. Yeah, and good and good and bad trends, but I think that yeah. <laughs> you know definitely definitely the good. I mean, there's in, in terms of an overall uh, direction that Canadian cuisine is going. It's it's traveling uh, away from um, sort of what we might have seen a decade ago with you know uh, bone marrow and like right. pro foie gras on a bunch of pork and deep fried and mm -hmm. uh, I like to call I like to call it kind of fat boy cuisine, which which is you know there's a time and a place for it, and I really like a place like that, but. Um, uh, I think that there's a lot more uh, lightness and, and finesse. And, I, you know, I live in San Francisco. I grew up on the West Coast of Canada. And I think that that, uh, uh, you know, the West Coast, that kind of California cuisine is, a, is an origin point for a lot of what's happening right now in North America in food where it's, you know, vegetables and, and, and the, the importance of knowing your producers and getting really amazing, uh, uh, amazing product in and uh, that, that, that lightness, that mm -hmm. sort of, brightness and energy where you finish a meal and you don't feel like you have to go lie down. You feel like you can walk out the door and, and you know. Have it, another it, dinner. <laughs> it, if that's the case, then, uh, yeah, then that makes my job easier too. So kudos to all those people who, uh, like like Chef Carter at Dandelion, who are, yeah. who are putting vegetables on the plate. Well, the other Toronto restaurants I think are worth mentioning. So uh, Bar Raval, which is great, and that's on yeah. College Street. Uh, Dilo, which is also on uh, College Street, sort of like an Asian fusion restaurant. Yeah, um, those, two, those two places are next door to each other. So yeah. if you want to reproduce the uh, what Louis C.K. calls the bang bang, that's a good uh, <laughs> place to go have two dinners. Uh, Buka Yorkville, which is the yeah. newest location of the Buka chain. Uh, Hamoto. Uh, Yasu, which I've heard great things about because it's just a very tiny little uh, sushi restaurant, right? It is. Yep. It is. It's up on uh, Harvard Street, and it's delightful. I've heard great things about that. And uh, Little Sister, which is up on Young Street, I think, around uh, Davisville. Um, yeah, between Davisville and uh, Eglinton. And a nice little note about uh, Little Sister. So I have to go to eat with a person at all of these restaurants. Uh, oh, okay. Always dinner for two because it's when you walk in by yourself, you're already kind of People are already kind of looking suspicious, at you. Yeah. So uh, I got to uh, my my little sister uh, Jane lives in uh, London, Ontario, and she drove up uh, for the night, and I took her to little sister. So I took my little <laughs> sister to dinner at little. You know what? That is very sweet. Uh, so you know, it's a great list of restaurants that represent uh, Toronto, but also I know um, fantastic restaurants coast to coast. So people can vote for their favorite online. So eatandvote.com. And and, uh, and so let me just ask you, what do you eat? after your month-long eating marathon when you get home? I, it takes me a while for my body to get to not want, you know, 1,500 calories at dinner every night. But yeah. uh, 
Tonight, tonight I'm making a, uh, a homemade uh, stock, and we're going to have some uh, wontons in there and some bok choy and uh, a little soup for dinner. Well, my mom would be so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for your time, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kate. So that's food and wine writer Andrew Braithwaite with uh, Air Canada's En Route magazine for their best new restaurant for 2015. So again, you can get online, eatandvote.com, and have a chance to win a trip and some cash and lots of great prizes. <laughs> joins me, Vinny, who is currently checking out his armpit stains. Um, what kind of an introduction is that? Because I looked over and that's what you were doing. Do you know why I was checking them out? Because when I put my arm up a minute ago, I saw you look at them and I wanted because to you see... you always have. Well, there is a You're bit always of a, stain. a little bit sweaty. Listen, it's hot out there and I had to go and prepare a radio show and this you is did. a reflection of how hard I try. What I would like to say is that you did not have to prepare the radio show in the heat. You prepare it in a very air-conditioned newsroom. The difference is when we work... See, you wouldn't know about this, but when you work hard to write a quality monologue like I do, <laughs> you put show out sweat. Me. Show me the monologue. I don't show have to... Oh well, if you lent your ear to my show, but what have you done on your show? Talk to people. Talk to people about traveling and food. Uh, Speaking of travel, Mm. you will be away for the next two weekends, so I'm going to ruin your show. Okay. Ruin in the slang term of make it awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the first time a kid ever said uh, that something was. Uh, sick, yeah. and I went, oh no! And he's like, no, no, that's good. That's good, yeah. Yeah, and but... I felt like such a loser. I was, and I remember this. I was twenty-four, and I was a researcher on a teen show. And one of the teens, um, it was a skateboarding segment, and he was talking about his friend. He's like, yeah, man, he's sick. <laughs> and I went, oh no, because I thought he that. couldn't show up for the show. Yeah, he's like, no, I mean, like he's really good. He's a really good skateboarder. And I remember this. But what a beautiful position that you're in to actually genuinely be a researcher for teen things to find that out. It means you were doing your, your job properly. That's true. But mm. I don't think that's when I realized that there was a huge gap between myself and, and the people on the show. Because I think for a while I was thinking, I'm just yeah. like a, they look at me like an older sister. Yeah. That's what no. dads think, isn't it? Cool dads. <laughs> I just think of me as one of them, but yeah. slightly occasionally. I'm a bit disciplinary. I'm so cool. Yeah. Uh, but you were going back to the UK because uh, your brother's getting married. Yeah. You didn't sound very thrilled about that. Sorry, I didn't, did I? I better no, that work was on that. Like, that. That revealed a little uh, a little something there. Yes. No, do you know why I'm a bit yeah. annoyed about it? Because it's, it's so expensive. Like, the UK's always been... Well, actually, in the last 10 years, because the Canadian dollar used to be something that was worth something, yeah. it was all right when you went over there. But now it's back to what it was, which is about probably 10, 15 years ago. It used to be two to one, i.e. two dollars to one pound. It's Well, when I was uh, in Scotland just over a month ago, uh, it was very costly because... Um, the well, prices look normal. So it's not like when you travel, like when you go to Taiwan, prices are like um, a coffee is $500. Like, you, you know, it's it's a different conversion. Right. But when you're in the UK, it's like coffee is $3. A salad is $10. Pound, yeah. But yeah, but it's, but it's the number looks normal to you. Can I'm I like, help you say this in the three. way that you want to say it? Yeah. Because we're so used to paying a denomination that is similar to that. Actually, no, I've made a mess of it. 
No, you were doing fine. See, it says three. It I know what you 10. mean. It's really hard to describe. And then in my mind, I realized that I actually have to, to double it. When you're in England and you're looking at a menu, everything seems normal until you realize that you have to double it. Yes. Yeah, until you realize that your, your Canadian dollar is yeah. in fact worth half of that there but uh it um but anyway so you you're you're going you're so i mean it sounds a bit selfish doesn't it really it shouldn't worry about the money but it's, i was there the other day for the for what we call the stag do what you call the bachelor party and that was only a couple of months ago wasn't it that cost a load now i've got to go back for the wedding if he ever gets divorced i'm gonna invoice him <laughs> for sure he's gonna owe you a lot of money yeah hey um what airline are you flying air transat cheap Okay, because I don't know if you saw this, that uh, WestJet is getting rid of their seatback screens. Did you see this? Why? They are going to introduce, and I think there's another airline that has started doing this. They are introducing a new entertainment system that relies on devices that you bring yourself. And if you don't bring your own tablet or iPad, you can rent one for Oh, from them. I'm seeing where this is so going. So they are taking away... Those little screens where you get to like choose your movie and everything because mm. you're supposed to bring your own device. But if you don't bring your own device, it's okay. You can rent one for them for seven dollars. Mm. And I was I, I'm trying to remember what airline I was on. I think it was uh, a few years ago when I was on a short flight between mm, Australia and New Zealand. Whatever airline it was, mm. they went up and down the the way that usually you're offered headphones they were offering tablets for a rental fee because there were no screens Very forward thinking was it Qantas Air New Zealand it, it could have been Air New Zealand or yeah. something like that I don't recall but I, that was the first time I saw it that was the first time I saw um, the flight attendants walking down the aisles with these tablets and I was thinking I'm not going to give you $10 for mm. that but on a long flight you will be willing I'll tell you to what you will over. when you've got kids as well what do you want, you Screaming Johnny or do you a yeah. passive Johnny watching a movie? Passive. So uh, that's that's where they're going with that. Is there, yeah, it's, you can bring your own and I, it's app-based or if you forget, then you can rent one. I mean, a lot of people, I saw this online and, and a lot of people were grumbling about it because, you know, it's every, now everything's costing extra, right? Like mm. next it's going to be bring your own seatbelt mm. and maybe we'll have the clip. Maybe. I, I'm not sure it'll get to that. <laughs> you just wait. Bring your own seat. It'll just, it'll be like going to the air show. Don't ever start an airline. Fly Pay Chen, <laughs> where your life is in your hands. <laughs> we just provide the exterior. That's all. Um, well, I I hope you have an enjoyable time. What are you going to do on my shows? Do you? When I'm away, I don't listen, obviously, because I don't want you to be better than me. But when you do them, do you bring in guests and stuff? What kind of guests? Amazing guests. Should I listen to some of the shows you that probably you probably should. Yep. Just give us a quick sort of rundown of what you'll be doing on my show next week then. Big party. Big, huge party. I usually set up a whole buffet in studio and people come in and during your hour, um, it's like kind of like party line. Right. People can call in. I charge them money. You charge... I leave here rich. Right. Is, is there a... A vague whiff of bull crap in here. No. Are you sure? Never. <laughs> so that would never happen. Am I reading between the lines? <laughs> what you're actually saying is I don't know what I'm doing next week. I haven't thought about it, but I'll probably get a guest in. Yeah. I'll have guests in. If you want to be a guest on my show next week with Pei Chen, then text 71010 and tell her who you are. And why you should be here. Yeah. Do you recall Columbia House? I don't know was if that was a thing in the UK growing up. Was it a record label? Yes. Yeah. So I saw the news this week that um, 
the company that used to offer you eight CDs for one cent has filed for bankruptcy protection after almost 20 years of declining sales. What was the most shocking thing about this, and this is what a lot of people were saying on Twitter, is that no one had any idea that Columbia House was even Absolutely. still in business exactly. for the past 20 years. And I remember them so well because it would have been my teen years of being, let's say, 14, 15, 16, of like collecting CDs. And CDs were not at all cheap when they first came out. No. My first CD that I bought for myself was $25. Oof. And that and was then? Yeah, that would have been, what, 1990? What was it? It was New Kids on the Block. Oh, for God's sake. Remix. <laughs> I'm just walking out. I can't speak to you. It was $25. Who is this woman? It was. It was New Kids on the Block. And it sounded so much better than the cassette because I could play the same song over and over again on repeat. And you can't do that on a cassette without having to like stop and rewind and miss the starting point. Wow. Step by step. So the company, this is shocking to me. So they had the music club. They also had the movie club. And my dad was so mad when I signed up for this because you get your eight CDs for mm. one cent. But then they scam you because you have to buy like 10 CDs at regular And you price. can't not buy them. And if you no, forget you to put the order to. in, they always send you the most expensive one. They'll That's probably how they kept going for so long. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, it makes sense. Like after, I guess Napster was the first thing to kind of like ding their business yeah. in the in the 90s. And then, you know, the iPod came out, iTunes, people started downloading music. So at one point they're like, we're the king of the world. No one's going to beat us. Yeah. We saw people overpriced CDs. And then the internet happened. Yeah. So anyway, but it was a little bit of sad nostalgia for me to read that the company's, you know, now now bankrupt. I used to get tapes delivered every week and on those tapes were samples of new records oh thank you Elliot I don't know if I'm going to thank you what was your first you. CD uh, um, Vinny do you recall uh, your first CD I think it was Out of Time by R.E.M no oh. that was on tape what was my first tape? CD um, sorry I'm not being very helpful I don't know I know my first ever tape was yeah. R.E.M. Out of Time and then followed by The Prodigy Experience well, I think my selection was so much better. Shut your face. Can you believe that? But just think of the exchange. Like, if you thought of inflation, $25 I know. it cost me. Yeah. That's like what? Where is it 50, now? It's probably at my parents' house, along with my Sunai ski jacket from 1990. Mm. It's there. Anyway, um, Vinnie White is coming up next. Make sure you listen, because you'll be away for the next two weeks. And do bear in mind that there will be absolutely no new kids on the block during my show which should make you really sad right now. Mm. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, enjoy your week, and I'll be covering for Vinny next weekend, so make sure you And the weekend in. after. And the weekend after, yes, that's right. We're going to have a big buffet, everyone. A big buffet. <laughs> Paychen.com is where you can find uh, the podcast and more info. Vinny's up next. Bye. Bye. Oh, oh, oh.